Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Connecting Conversations this evening as we are here to discuss Sunday Sermon and the Lord's Prayer. And our special guest tonight is Phil Smith, who is uh, from our presbytery, part of uh, Bell's, or the pastor of Bell's Caladra, and also our Christian engagement officer. Good evening, Phil. Hi, Stuart. Good to be with you. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here. Phil, that was a short introduction, but tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family, your work, your career, your uh, uh, your interests, your hobbies. But uh, keep it short, Phil. As one of our grandchildren said the other day, how old are you, Pa? Are you a thousand years old? <laughs> um, so the short version, uh, I'm uh, Kayleen and I have been married for 35 years, uh, coming up soon. And right. We, we live in Caloundra. In, uh, we moved into this neighbourhood here uh, five and a bit years ago. And we have two daughters and two fabulous sons-in-law. They live just on the north side of Brisbane. And between them now, we have four grandchildren. Uh, and Wonderful. I, I think that's a large chunk of how I try to identify myself these days in, in that family and that generational kind of thing. Um, as for what I do for a crust, I suppose I've had probably three careers in my life. There's been the media. Uh, I spent quite a lot of time with mostly the ABC and radio and television. And right. in the military, I worked in information warfare and public affairs and that kind of thing with the Royal Australian Air Force. Um, probably half a dozen overseas deployments. And, uh, and now in the last six years or so in uh, the ministry, working as a pastor with the United Church Faith Community here in this neighborhood called Bells. We're in Bell Vista and Bell's Reach. Okay, fantastic. Phil, uh, you're also our mission engagement officer at the Presbytery, and that's probably a context in which folk from Bundaberg would know you in. Uh, tell us just briefly what a mission engagement officer is. I think that's a great question because the beauty of a new job and being the first person in it is that you can kind of make this up as you go along, Stuart. And I, I think if I put aside, you know, what we put down on the paper in the position description, I think what I want to do and what I'm called to do is to encourage people to think less about going to church and more about being disciples who make disciples. People who follow Jesus and invite other people to come follow Jesus too. And so the idea that we might be missional people um, is, is a culture and a way of living. So we stop thinking so much about church as a place and a time. And for many of us, for a few hundred years, that's been a Sunday morning uh, in a particular building. Some of us would have gone there all our lives. But we think about being the church and the people of God and what it is to live like Jesus in yeah. what we're doing wherever we might be. I think that's the role of a mission engagement officer. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we certainly look forward to uh, the work that you do in the presbytery along those lines and, and enabling us to be um, disciples who, who make disciples. So before I get into the sermon, tell us a little bit about your own faith journey. How did you come to faith? How did you uh, experience Christ? A little bit of, of the role that your faith plays in your daily life? Let's come to the last bit first. I I cannot imagine not being on the Jesus journey now. 
there have been one or two occasions in my life too where I thought, well, if I walk away from this now and live without Christ or, or disregarding that, what would that look like? And I really can't imagine it. It would be chaotic and selfish and, and a whole lot of things. I grew up in a Christian home. In fact, um, my dad was a Methodist minister um, and uh, he, he died four years ago now. Um, right. And so we, we were always in a home that modelled a lot of God's love for us. It was never foisted upon us, but we lived in it and I saw it. Now, that said, when I was in my middle years at high school, I was checking out a lot of stuff. Everything, okay. uh, T. sang Rampers, um, Transcendental Meditation, uh, through to, I, I read an English translation of the Quran. I, I checked out the, the Buddhist noble paths and, and truths, but it was the Jesus story. And um, there's a fellow amongst others, but there was a fellow named John Henderson. We called him Jungle. John right. Henderson lived in a treehouse on Magnetic Island, and he was old. He might have been. Well, he might have been 30. And uh, he was the guy who was the maintenance fellow at the Methodist youth camp. He fixed the mowers and that kind of stuff. And I don't know how many of us, he must have said, there's a God who loves you and you can know him in Jesus. And and in that, there was something that just drew me. And so I, I made a commitment to follow Jesus Easter time uh, when I was 15. So that would be 1976. And... Uh, and that's been, it's been the journey ever since. I think the best parts of it, and it reflects now in where we live and, and what we try to understand of church, was in communities of young people, in share houses and at college, um, that living in community and, and with others and doing life together and seeing how, how God fits into all that and calls us along and is already at work. So that's that's in my story. I'm still on that journey. So we moved into this neighbourhood. This is where we live. Um, this is how we try to live a life of worship and witness. Excellent. Oh, thanks for sharing that with us, Paul. We've been looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer over the last couple of weeks, and uh, this particular week we said um, we said uh, give us give us this day our daily bread. And uh, focused on the manna coming from heaven and, and also the chapter of Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow. What does the Lord's Prayer mean for you personally? When, when you pray, what, what is its significance in, in your life and in your journey with God? Stuart, I, I can't help but say on one hand, it, it's so familiar. You know, I, I think you could find yourself at a, a funeral or a, a church service or wherever, even even a service in a foreign language. You know, mm. traveling overseas, you hear that start, you know the rhythm, the words come and they flow. And part of me thinks of that as, well, you know, you just take it for granted. But in another sense, isn't that a beautiful thing that there is a trigger within us and I see it even when we leave worship in an old people's home not far from here, you start the words, people with dementia, they immediately, it comes to life again for them. There's something deep within us. This yeah. is a, a way of connecting with God 
that's beautiful and powerful because the master gave it to us. They said, here, have this. That's my gift to you. It, it's, it's a powerful thing. And when you stop and listen and do what you guys are doing, the wow factor is about 12 out of 10. <laughs> Has there been a time for you when you have prayed it and had that wow factor come for you or when, it, when you, you've, there's a moment in your life that you recall specifically, I'm so glad I had the Lord's Prayer to pray? I think um, less, less perhaps for me, although I'm sure there would have been those moments, um, but certainly ministering with others. So at the time of somebody's dying, to be with them and to, to bring those words together together. Um, yeah. Those times are really precious. And I do recall um, on, on one of the two great faith crisis moments for me, um, being gathered with other Christians who were all wondering what on earth is going on here. We're in the midst of a, a natural disaster and we're all questioning God, God's love, even God's existence. And the bread was broken and the wine was poured. And amongst the liturgy, of course, we were we were Catholics and Anglicans and Charismatics and all, but we all came to that at that time. That's, that's I remember when I served in an Indigenous um, placement that uh, I didn't know the language, but I learned the Lord's Prayer in their language. And uh, when the liturgy came to that part and we all connected around the same thing and I knew what I was saying, that was just super special. Yeah. yeah. So we spoke about give us this day our daily bread. Um, isn't it tricky for you? Uh, essentially, you know, we're praying that, that God would provide for our needs. And we look at Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow. At the same time, we want to say, you know, we... We, we mustn't um, be stupid either. We have to provide for, we, we have to look after ourselves. The kind of thing of, you know, lock, you know, trust God, but lock your car. And uh, uh, I was just wondering, it's tricky to sometimes find that balance. How do you balance that dynamic in your life? I, I was only thinking about this as we had a delicious dinner. Uh, Kayleen prepared this beautiful meal. Some of the vegetables were from our own garden, but you know, the, the meat was good. You know, everything was there. And, and yet we're saying to God, just give us bread. Mm. Uh, that's, that's all we really need. And I wonder if in praying this prayer, we hear God challenging us in return. So what is the basics? What is it that you need? And right. And, and what do you really need? What are you asking for, Phil? I think I sometimes hear the Father saying that. And I think sometimes, too, I'm, I'm really struck by, as with so much of our faith, it is countercultural these days. And, a, and, and the COVID thing is teaching us a whole lot in this respect. Yeah. Give, give me this week on higher purchase. I'll pay it off later, a new jet ski. Give me this week from my flying flyer, highly paid job, a Harley Davidson, because mm. I always wanted one. And, and, and we live in a world of I want, I want, and, and the gathering of yeah. stuff. And Jesus says, bread, enough for today. And I do think, and I, I love what you said about he's talking to fishermen, you know, mm. and catch what they need. 
And if the wind is right and the tide is right, there will be fish for them and enough to sell. And that will be for today, just for today. And in the story of the manor in the, in, in the wilderness, you will have enough and it will be for today, folks. And that's right. and amazing and it's the grace of God. There it is. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fantastic. Well, I mean, I think uh, sometimes we forget uh, that the needs are promised, not the wants. And, and, and doesn't this, Stuart, challenge the ridiculous prosperity Christianity that we had seen yeah. growing in recent years, where a mark of God's blessing was how much stuff we had. God mm. loves me, therefore I have a bigger house. I drive a Mercedes Benz, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. No, 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 Jesus says, your daily bread. There it is. Thank God for it. Absolutely. Well, that, that leads me into the next kind of uh, question where, where we we do tend to compartmentalize God really well. And thinking of the prosperity theology, I, was, I only recently saw one of the famous prosperity theolo- ministers, I, I, I won't actually say theologian, saying, um, well, you know, if Jesus was walking this earth today, if Jesus was here today, he would also be in a Gulfstream uh, jet, private uh, plane. And it, it kind of links into what I was saying where, we can quite easily compartmentalize God into one section of our life and say, yes, God can have control of that, but I don't want him in this, in this area of my life. You know, that, that, that kind of dynamic. Have you ever seen that in, in uh, happening in people's lives and, and, and what's the danger of it for you? Uh, again, I, I think there's a, a look a bit more widely around the world and, and see what we understand. I'm not saying it's peculiar, but I think it's most obvious in our wealthy Western civilization. And we talk about my work life, my home life, my sex life, my recreational life. We we have these boxes and I think blokes do it more than women. Don't know why, but I, I think that's true. Whereas when you find yourself in a, an indigenous culture or even a culture that lacks the trappings of wealth. This has to be a a totality of life. And I'm going to use a word here, an integrity, in that things are integrated. All these things are part of my life and my spiritual life and my religious life undergirds or at least threads all the way through all those things. Whereas we've come to a point where because it's convenient to us and convenience is something we desire more than anything else. Mm. I can turn on the aircon and the electric lights. I can work 24 seven if I want to, because I want to. Uh, but and so we said, well, it's comfortable for me to keep God in a box over here and my physical needs here and those two things don't need to intersect. But when they do intersect, when they have integrity, when they are integrated, then what I have is at God's disposal. And when I pray that, give us today our daily bread, well, what's bread for? It's for sharing. If you've got family and you're making breakfast, you don't put one piece of toast in the toaster just for yourself. You don't. You 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 do that for everyone. And so I think then this does change our way of thinking about what we have and what we do with that. And it's provided by God 
for us to share. And of course, then you come to the sacrament, we become what we receive, the bread, the bread of life broken to be shared. And I think that's integrity that starts to then thread through all our lives. Father, please, can we have what we need for today? And we'll share it. No, I love that. And I think that that sense of integrity, uh, somebody described me for me, integrity is, is uh, who you are when you're alone. Um, and uh, the, the sense of, of that connectedness of God almost uh, permeating every aspect of our life. Phil, yeah. mm. so, um, I was saying in the uh, in the sermon that um, it's it's really the wrong question to say. Well, how can I bring more of God into my life in this area? As you've just said, it, it's the sense of God in through all parts of our life. Have you ever? Personally, um, has there been somebody for you who's really shown that, who's, who's kind of shown that integrity and reflected Jesus? And, and, and what's the effect been on your life? I think there are probably a number of those people who have been um, as that for me, as Christ for me. And I think it comes in different ways, and it's part of, Again, this idea of community. Um, and and these are people who, well, I, I don't know that they would even recognise it themselves. Yeah. And, and sure, I've been blessed by preachers and teachers such as yourself, highly qualified and, and well-respected people, and, and I, I always treasure that. But so often for me, it is... Um, people that others, and that even I, forgive me, might think of as, as very ordinary, and yet the way in which they live and they give. There are people in our faith community who, who bless me with such grace because everything they do just looks like Jesus. With their head, that they think in that way. With their hearts, that they live this outward incredibly unselfish life and with their hands they are forever at the service of others um, we went around to visit a family who live a few blocks from here the other day from brazil moved out here a year or so ago and grandma and granddad of the children that were due um, came out just before the covid thing to to be here for the birth of the children well the children turn out to be triplets mum and grandma <laughs> can't go home to brazil for the terrible thing that's going on there. Yeah. In the house and so on. And one of the people from my faith community rings up and says, hey, Phil, let's grab some meals out of the freezer. We need to go and meet this people. And we go around and she has toys for the children. She sits and, and it was just the most beautiful thing to watch. I'm supposed to be the pastor. I don't have a clue. Uh, and there she is just moving and loving in this way. And, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to sit and learn here. Yeah. Mm. It, it, it is amazing when you when you kind of just see that that generosity of spirit, and you see God providing uh, for the needs of others in uh, in that way. How about how about for yourself? Sorry, go for it, Phil. I was just going to say, you know, to me, it's the line just before this: "Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come." Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, we, we, we see the kingdom just kind of breaking through and, and those are the moments where I see that, yeah, God is providing for us today through others that which we need. There's a fellow named John Lynch who has probably shaped my theology more than anyone else I know. And it's this theology of grace that says, even on my worst day, I am deeply loved, loved more perhaps than on my best day because I have a father who looks at me and, and sees a son. And when, when we start to look at each other in that way, then it's must today what we need. What is it we need? To be loved deeply and to be known and to know and be known. Um, this is powerful, basic stuff of our living. Just as bread is such a basic staple, well, to be loved and to be known just for mm. today, in this moment, oh, God is so good to us when that is poured out in God's people. Mm. I, I was saying on Sunday that much of what we've spoken about, that God, God sees all of, all of life together in that sense, um, the physical, the spiritual, and so on. Uh, the, um, the, the, the sermon before where I was talking about hallowed be your name, uh, I said there's a technique in Hebrew writing called parallelism where you've got uh, the next line explains the last line. So your kingdom come and your will be done is, is partly fulfilled as we give our daily bread and share our daily bread uh, with others. And that story is saying you, you really see the kingdom built in, the, in those moments. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly share a story of somebody else who, who taught me so much about the love of God and the basic necessities of life. Um, she was two and a half, our first granddaughter, Matilda. And I was not in a good place. Uh, and it was, we'd gone to New South Wales for a wedding uh, and it was supposed to be a time of great joy. And I was really in a place of, of being quite depressed. And this particular morning, woke up at the motel where we were all staying. I was going, God, God, I, I got nothing. I am completely running on empty here. I have nothing. And I don't know what the year ahead holds. It was the Australia Day one weekend. Sitting mm. right across the back of the motel, and I hear these little footsteps. Because Tilly's only a toddler. And then I see her coming towards me. And she's gone into somebody's room. And you know, beside the bedside table, they have those little packets of two biscuits. Okay. She's got a half-sucked scotch finger biscuit. And she walks towards me and she says, Pa, this, wow. this little girl just calls me by my name. She has nothing she wants except to come and sit with me. There is nothing I can give her except being there with her. And all she has to offer me is a half-sucked biscuit. But she knows me by name and she loves to be with me and I was just sat with her thinking this is God who comes to us in the moment this day and says there's not much that you need daily bread but you need to know that I call you by name and I love you father child there's this intimate sit at the table break this stuff how you doing oh it, it, yeah there's so much in this little this central part of the prayer. 
So uh, that's a, a beautiful story, and thank you for sharing it with us. I wanted to touch on uh, something you wrote to me in preparation for this uh, conversation, and uh, it, it may be a little bit of um, of next week's sermon as well. But but you wrote you wrote this. Um, Do we ask for big miracles? Uh, and fail to see his the miraculous. Sorry, do we ask for big miracles and fail to see his miraculous in the moment by moment? So the less we expect from God, the less we see. Whereas if we see the moment by moment provisions as miraculous, we start to expect and we start to see more and more amazing stuff. Two ways to live as if nothing is a miracle or as if everything is a miracle. And your story about your granddaughter, for me, that would be, a, a little miracle in that moment, and and perhaps, well, can you comment on that on your on your statement? Well, this is it, and, and I think some of my Roman Catholic um, brothers and sisters have have taught me in recent years more about this idea of presence, what it is in this moment to be present, and and there's there's a miracle that's going to happen in that. You know, God is at work. You know, that, that's our essential missional understanding is that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is at work now, here, in this moment, through the internet, with us. Wow! <laughs> but if I just think, oh, well, you know, I've got, I've got a half an hour to spare, nothing better to do, I don't want to watch the news, I'll talk to Stuart. Huh? What's going to come out of that? But if yeah. I come to this thinking, Stuart wants to talk about the Lord's Prayer with me and there'll be other people who might be blessed by this tonight well then what do we start to expect and i think it's it's in this the breaking of the daily bread again it's this simple thing which could just be that's oh, toast and vegemite but what are some of the most wonderful moments that come sitting at the breakfast table with the people you love just in that moment so we start to say well god what else you know everything becomes sacred and sacramental and we don't live in a, a, a life that is compartmentalized like you were saying before there's mm. the secular bits and the sacred bits there's the the other stuff and then there's the god stuff no, no, no. it's all god stuff and when we see god in these daily bread moments then we're going to start to see god in, in all sorts of things and we will start to expect more and more things will become even more wonderful and i think then our lives become transformed Brilliant. Do you, do you think that the Lord's Prayer, um, in that sense, you spoke about uh, presence. Do you think it helps us develop a kind of God consciousness? I think it does. And and you know far more about this than me. As you were saying before, there's a, a Hebrew, there's a rhythm, there's a pattern. Mm. I, I think there's much more to it than just the words. And, and it does... Um, yeah, it, it starts something within us and it does bring a consciousness. Uh, I, I don't know much about the idea of mantra, but I wonder if it's like that. Lovely. Well, I, I think that that's an awesome uh, place to leave it for the evening. Again, half an hour has just uh, flown by. But um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being willing to, to engage and, and just... Um, just open yourself and, and certainly your, your, your stories, your experience has been a blessing to me. And I'm sure uh, certainly from the comments, it's been a blessing to others as well. Thank you for that.
I'll, I'll certainly be uh, tuning in for the next few weeks because uh, it, it's one of those things you can never get enough of it. And uh, I, I love the idea that the next thing that's coming is forgiveness. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you give you credit over here because I'm definitely gonna use an idea. Phil uh, Phil wrote in in something to me that it's fascinating how forgiveness is put right alongside daily bread, and uh, how that is almost. Um, as essential to living, forgiveness is as essential to living as the sustenance of, of daily bread. If you look at the pattern of the Lord's Prayer going out, so thank you for that, Phil. See you Sunday. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be part of the sermon, uh, part of the sermon for sure. Phil, once again, I appreciate your time and uh, and 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 your wisdom and for sharing with us a little bit of your experience. Thank you for that. Thank you, Stuart. God bless. Thank you. Friends, that's the end of Connecting Conversations for this week. Thank you for joining us and uh, see you on Sunday. We look forward to a little bit more as we discover what, uh, what God is teaching us through the Lord's Prayer. God bless.